Welcome to the Lean Solutions Podcast, where we discuss business solutions to help listeners develop and implement action plans for true lean process improvement. I am your host, Patrick Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Lean Solutions Podcast. Today's guest is Alessandro Lassi, and Alessandro's career includes more than 10 years in continuous improvement leadership positions. He also earned a master's in industrial engineering and has a Lean Six Sigma Black Belt certification. He also is a Kaizen facilitator. Alessandro, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Patrick. Fantastic. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I'm excited to have you here. Alessandro, where are you at in the world? Switzerland, the beautiful Switzerland. I'm in Schaffhausen. Oh. So a beautiful place, yeah. Very nice. What what's what is your favorite part of Switzerland? Here we have uh, the beautiful Rhine Falls, actually the largest uh, waterfalls in Europe. Not uh, as big as the Niagara Falls, but pretty nice ones, I have to say. Beautiful. Have you seen have you yeah. been to Niagara Falls or no? Yeah, probably three times in the past. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, very, very beautiful. Uh, that's amazing. I, I, I have never been to Switzerland, uh, but if I do come to Switzerland, I'm definitely coming to visit you so we can go see the waterfalls. Absolutely. It's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> right. Good deal. So, Alessandro, uh, one of the topics that I want to uh, talk about today, I want to stay kind of general today, and I'd really like to just talk about continuous improvement in general. I'd love to know for you, based on your you know 10 years of experience in, in different leadership roles, you know what exactly does continuous improvement mean for you? What, what is it? What is continuous improvement? How do you define it? Um, how does it apply to the work that you've done? Uh, you know, fill us in. Sure, thanks. So, so first of all, I would say continuous improvement and lean is a mindset. Hmm. It's a culture. Let's also say it's a set of behavior aiming at changing for a better any processes, both uh, in business and also in personal life. And it's also, we can also probably define this as uh, the most powerful strategy for companies' growth. On the other side, it's also helpful to define what Lean is not. And I would probably say that it's not just uh, a bunch of tools. Mm. On this, uh, I would like to use the 3P analogy, back also to Art Byrne, which is one of uh, the most successful lean CEO in history. Mm. And Art talked about the 3P like uh, uh, purpose, process, and people. Purpose because any kind of lean initiative needs to start with a customer in mind needs to start by understanding voice of the customer. Process, because we need to act on our processes to deliver value for the customer and removing waste and non-value added for the customer on our process. And people, because it's a transformation, it's culture, and we need to win people's hearts and minds. And here we go to my second point about the definition. And it is uh, probably more personal, more related to my uh, personal life. So, you know, I have a couple, I have two kids. One is five years old and uh, is very passionate about drawing. He goes to school here in uh, Schaffhausen and uh, he probably understood he's not uh, the best drawer in the world also compared to other kids. Mm. And he, compared to the other ones, to his friends, he understood he has room for improvement. And you, you need a lot of imagination to understand what's depicting in his sketch. So, you need to know that since one month ago, Every holy night after dinner, he sits at the table and uh, he sketches something. 
his friends, the teacher, uh, my wife, uh, the dog, uh, his sister, myself, whatever. Right. And uh, yeah, couple of a uh, couple of, uh, of days ago, a couple of nights ago, he handed me into my into my hands his uh, the masterpiece of the day. And look at it. It was there was a ball with a couple of uh, stripes, probably eyebrows, a couple of sticks, probably my legs, <laughs> some hairs because he already understood I'm losing my hands. But that's another story. And uh, and he told me, "Hey, Dan, that's you." And I told him, "Ah, that's wonderful." And, he, and then he he told me something which uh, I got very surprised about. He told me, "Hey, look, I know you don't have a neck in this drawer." But I'm trying again and again, and as I grow up, I promise you that I will be able to draw your neck. And it, that's probably the best definition. It goes back also to uh, a good sentence we, we, we sometimes uh, mention, because we say, uh, let's not get perfect, hmm. get in the way of better, right? Yes. And I think Nicolò, my five years old kid, uh, probably got it very well. Mm, I love that story. I love it. Uh, it. It's it's such a great analogy for you know the the way that we should be approaching business. You know, sometimes we spend so much time trying to put the plan together, make it right. We we you know get with all the right people. We collect data, and you know, two months down the road, it's like, is this even important anymore? Right? It, it, <laughs> you know, at some point, you have to pull the trigger. And that's a. Uh, a, a I guess a, an English language uh, slang term, but you have to pull the trigger. You have to do something. Yeah. You have to actually do it, uh, and then once you've done it, refine and learn from what you did. Continue to you know refine it and improve it, and that's exactly what your son is doing. What he's realized that you know what this might not be the perfect picture of my dad, but this is my dad as I as I can do it today, and I'm going to keep improving this drawing through iterations and learning right as I go. Wow, that's awesome. Very cool. Yeah, fantastic. And this goes also into another topic, which is uh, important of failure and learning from failure, if you want. That's right. Absolutely. And the only way that we're going to do that, the only way that we're going to get better is if we start, if we do something and then we look at it, we go, okay, you know, what didn't work with this process? What didn't work with this whatever you know that we're that we're working on and what what how can we improve on that what did we learn from that and let's do it do it better next time absolutely and just to connect the dots to what uh, what we mentioned a couple of minutes ago lean is all about culture what is important in the culture and environment is that there should be some kind of uh, psychological safety so uh, when you build your limb path and uh, uh, whatever uh, it's important that people feel safe. It's important that people feel comfortable uh, to speak up about the problems because we always say that uh, the biggest problems is having no problems because mm -hmm. people, if they don't feel comfortable speaking about the problems and the opportunities to improve, they tend hiding this. Probably because uh, company culture, environmental culture is uh, finger pointing. I uh, finger pointing one uh, uh, blame culture uh, probably leaders uh, asking too much who instead of what. Mm -hmm. And this is a great important point for the start of any lean journey and uh, a great point for any lean culture uh, which can try. Absolutely. You know, a lot of companies think about lean, when they think about lean, they, they think it's a cost, 
a cost reduction initiative, and you know that's it's not the right way to define it. Uh, you know, does it result in some cost savings? Absolutely. But I love that you started out with those three P's. You know, and it's not just purpose and process; it's also people. And a good continuous improvement culture understands respect for people and how to engage and involve them in the decision-making process, shared accountability, so on and so on. And the, the benefits of that, you know, again, it, it sometimes does result in cost savings, but uh, but that's not the that's not the main goal, right? I mean, we are in business to make money, correct? And you know, continuous improvement initiatives will definitely result in that. But if that's your only focus is just saving money you're not going to get the results. You have to focus on people, process, and purpose. Absolutely, very well said, Patrick. Probably we can say that cost saving is just a subproduct of lean, mm -hmm. probably just one aspect. But if you are just looking at this, there's also another important point. If you use lean to cut jobs, right, your lean initiative, your lean path is not gonna uh, gonna last forever because no. you lose people so that's also a very important point uh, don't use lean to fire people because the engine of lean is people mm -hmm. you need to aim at having an army of uh, lean agents of change agents of problem solvers this is how probably Toyota really and, and other companies like Danaher probably um, were able to move the needle and to be so successful. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. And not only do you do you lose people, but you know, people when they start to see that, hey, I br I brought up some really great ideas, or I was involved in a Kaizen event, and then oh, all of my friends lost their jobs. You know, they're not going to continue to help you. They're not going to to continue to align with the the cause, and it's going to give them a bad taste in their mouth about lean. So, you know, one of the 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 ways that because sometimes you know, continuous improvement uh, initiatives do result in a reduction, you know, of, hey, we could run this particular area with 10 people, now we can do it with eight people. Well, you know, different. there's different ways to uh, respond to that. You know, I've talked about this in the past on other shows, but, um, you know, one of those ways is to move those two individuals to a continuous improvement team that, you know, where they can focus on carrying through uh, other tasks and action items that came out of Kaizen events or, you know, learn, help them develop their continuous improvement skills. And then as uh, normal attrition happens, you fill them back into, you know, to other positions that are available, but allow normal attrition in an organization to reduce. And it, that is a long-term play, right? It's not going to happen. You're not going to get the reduction in staff overnight or whatever it might be, but it's the right approach. And it's going to, uh, it's going to help you to develop that long-term, uh, develop and sustain that true culture of continuous improvement. Alessandro, you uh, have been an internal leader. We talked about you know your your ten years experience at different companies, uh, and you, you've seen uh, many different approaches to continuous improvement in your the different companies you've worked in. What would you say, in your experience, is needed to get continuous improvement to the next level? That's a good question, Patrick. Thanks for asking. I think before getting uh, lean to the next level, you need to start planting the seeds of lean in the most correct way. If you look at my experiences as an internal leader for lean and continuous improvement on multinational companies, I would say that you probably need three plus one dimensions, okay? First, you need lean 
being led from the top. Mm-hmm. And you need to start from there. Second, you need a bottom-up approach, which I call lean, uh, learn from Kaizen. We have already touched this a little bit earlier before. Sure. Third one is what I what I call the sweet spot. Mm. Okay. Uh, and it is just at uh, the match of these bottom-up and top-down dimensions. Uh, do you like playing golf, Patrick? I do like playing. I'm not very good at it, but I do like to play. Yeah, it's probably one of my <laughs> resolutions for 2022. Probably uh, it will stay <laughs> for for 2022 still on, <laughs> on on the drawer. However, uh, probably you have heard about the sweet spot if you love golf, right? Mm-hmm. So the sweet spot is exactly the point of the club. You should hit the ball with for a perfect hit. Right. So you know, if you use this analogy, where what? For having lean being successful and being sustained, you really need a match from the top-down approach, bottom-up approach, as we explained, and then you need to sustain this. A very few companies can stay in the sweet spot for long times, uh, but uh, it's really where, where, where most lean initiatives thrive and can endure. And then you need the plus one dimension, which is the catalyst, meaning, meaning you need to tie this all together, and this is probably uh, the job of uh, continuous improving people, which really need to coach top leaders, coach people on the shop floor and team leaders, and to tie all the dimensions together. Absolutely. I love that. And and I know there are people listening that have heard that you know uh, top-down, bottom-up approach. They've probably heard it. I don't know that there are many that have experienced it because it is difficult to get there. Now, and there's a lot of different things that you can do to help get to that sweet spot. You know, just like in golf, it's not going to just happen. You know, there there's certain things that you have to do. You have to go to the driving range. You have to go to the putting green. You have to, you know, there's different things that you have to do. Uh, work with a coach, right? So I, I'm curious, in your experience, have you? Have you saw the sweet spot? Have you have you experienced it or been involved with that sweet spot at any of the companies that you've worked at or worked with? Yeah, I did. And uh, at the beginning of my career, and uh, since it was my very first uh, <laughs> um, job, I didn't realize this when I saw that. So I started on... Uh, uh, my career probably 17 years ago as a Lean Six Sigma trainee on manufacturing lines for a tier one multinational automotive company. And uh, I worked, I was tasked for, with, with a quality improvement project on those manufacturing lines, so I daily interact with operators and team leaders on the lines. And what could appear quite um, um, normal to me is that those people directly came to me and spoke up about the problems, their issues, and showed me their red figures on the daily management boards, right? And they um, explained me the whys. And I didn't realize that, so I compared this later on in the years with other experience I did, and I realized it was quite uh, difficult to, to find such an environment, because once again, they were probably in an environment where they felt comfortable talking about issues and you felt comfortable that talking about those issues, it was that was the trigger point that instigated probably some kind of problem-solving activity to stop those problems from occurring, right? Mm-hmm. And to fix what bugged them. So 
that's the first thing. Second, in that same company, in that same site, uh, I repeatedly saw the plant leader, so an executive which was managing 2,500 people, so definitely not a small site at all, and I saw him uh, sweeping the ground, right? Repeatedly, several mornings. So at the time I was probably 23, 24 years old, and I asked myself, hey, what the heck, why is this guy doing that? Don't we have as a company enough money to pay clean service? So I didn't get a point, right? I got a point later on, later on. But the point was that that person was kind of, was trying to act as a leader, projecting his leadership and showing others uh, lower uh, in the organization that they should care about mm. uh, manufacturing lines. They should um, close the gap in the organizational ladders. And this also goes into the topic of uh, servant leadership. That's right. These two, these two elements made me think years and years later that it, that was a particular environment. When I talked years later to my old colleagues, I understood that that leadership had left the company, had left the site, and uh, guess what? The sweet spot was not anymore there because it's prob it was probably connected to that style of leadership. Mm. So once you reach the sweet spot, the message is you need to be able also to sustain it. That's right. Yeah, and, and part of sustaining it is uh, making sure that you have the right development program in place for your leaders. Uh, it, you know, I, I just think about the the opportunity to promote people from within, uh, and I, I think that a lot of leaders get promoted into leadership roles because they were really good at their job or they were really good at running this piece of equipment or whatever it might be. Uh, but you know, they don't necessarily have the, the leadership skills or know how to lead people. You know, I talk about the fact that, uh, there's a difference between managers and leaders. Managers manage equipment or assets or things, right? And there's a lot of people that can be good managers, but leaders manage people. And to manage people is a totally different animal. And, you know, a, a good lean leader understands that both, you have to understand both and be part of both, you know, be, be a good leader and be a good manager in order to, to support continuous improvement initiatives. And you hit, you hit it on the head when, when you talked about servant leadership, a good servant leader, someone that understands the value of the people that are really, they're doing the value add work. They're the experts. They're the ones that are delivering what the product, the service, whatever it is to the customer. It's my job as a leader to serve that person and make sure that they can do their value add work. And when you start to understand that, you know, that, like you mentioned about the, the leader who was sweeping the floor, I, it made me think about, there's a plant manager here in Michigan that I know who created a, a cleaning schedule. They, they got rid of their cleaning crew and he was the first one to sign up to clean the toilets for that exact reason, what you just said. He's, he, he wanted to show everybody that just because I'm a plant manager doesn't mean I'm too high in the organization to clean toilets. I'll clean toilets, right? Uh, so anyways, I love that. Great, great point. Absolutely, because uh, we talked about manager leadership. Uh, leadership is not a matter about uh, hierarchy. Also, as continuous improvement people, as I, as I said at the beginning, you need to win people's hearts and minds. Mm -hmm. And you don't do that through hierarchical power, but you do that uh, through leadership, uh, through um, 
going through the change management curve. Absolutely. We're, we're talking through a lot of different different uh, tactics and techniques and di- different ways to uh, support a, a continuous improvement culture. Uh, but yet still so many organizations struggle, you know, to maintain a true culture of continuous improvement. Why do you think it's so difficult for organizations to, to, to nurture this this CI culture that they're they're trying to create? A lot of organizations, most of the organizations I work with, developed continuous improvement and lean programs. And note, I use the word program. Mm-hmm. Why? Because continuous improvement lean is not a program. That's right. It's not a set of projects on one-shot projects, right? It's a culture, meaning it's behavior and th- things like that. Absolutely. So what I noticed is that those organizations... Uh, probably start building their marshals, but then afterwards, let me borrow an expression from uh, Mark Delusio, they probably, they either flatline and uh, they slowly lose focus, uh, or on the other side, they just uh, uh, keep considering lean as uh, single projects. Mm -hmm. Two important points here. First, much focus on tools. This probably comes from some consultants. They probably uh, use uh, uh, tools more than uh, talking about culture because uh, if you just use tools, uh, you have uh, quick wins. You can have uh, faster results out of your projects, but in the end, uh, it's much tougher to get repeatable uh, results because. Uh, you're not uh, nurturing a culture, you're not nurturing um, an army of problem solvers, just to use a term we have uh, already touched. Mm-hmm. The second is probably management. So understanding or misunderstanding of leadership of what lean is. We have already touched it. However, we need to understand that lean is not a short-term game. Lean is culture. To move culture, you need uh, to act on people. And that's probably one of uh, the longest terms game you have, right? That's why Lean is a long-term game. It's not just about cost-cutting, as we said. So these are probably two of the most, uh, two of the most um, important things that uh, I experienced in my life about uh, as to uh, why it's so difficult to nurture a continuous improvement culture companies. Sure, sure. And and uh, you mentioned psychological safety earlier. We've talked about, you know, a lot of different things. But uh, also, you know, a lot of companies, there's this, they have maybe a fear-based culture where people are scared to, uh, to, to bring up challenges or problems or they're scared to try new things because they think maybe, uh, you know, maybe I'm going to lose my job or someone's going to yell at me or, you know, whatever it might be. So, so they end up just coming to work, punching a clock, doing what they need to do, and then getting out of there at the end of the day. Why do you think psychological safety is so important? So let me, let me bring uh, one example. Okay. So I have implemented and have facilitated uh, the implementation of daily management in different companies, uh, for example, from manufacturing to R&D, to rent a car, a supply chain, uh, mechanical manufacturing, whatever. Right? Mm-hmm. At a certain point, you end up uh, where I call red 
is not is red should not be bad. So you end up at a point where people uh, using their um, visual management metrics, they try to hide the reds because they perceive they feel that red could be a treat for them because they once again they could feel uncomfortable because as you pointed out they could feel they may be finger pointed they may be punished mm -hmm. so also uh, coaching this culture of uh, red is not bad is not necessarily a gap is not you don't necessarily need to understand who was the culprit but you need necessary to understand why that happened so this kind of shift uh, really needs to happen in the culture and it's part of the psychological safety so shifting from a who kind of uh, questions to a why kind of questions and here we go to the five whys uh, sure. approach the second problem as mentioned is uh, having no problem is the biggest problem right which is which comes from here so if you hide your opportunities you are never triggering problem solving activities to uh, challenge this thing. also why psychological safety is important because uh, you need to experiment lean is about experiments mm -hmm. okay? is about to try new things there's a good motivational speech from denzel washington and he says if you're not if you don't fail you're not even trying mm -hmm. so when you try and this is part of the experiments you need to be allowed to fail but not just fail for the uh, sake of failure but fail because you need to reflect on what drove a team to fail and you need to reapply those lessons learned and build on those lessons learned and it is uh, the great value of accepting failure as uh, a starting point uh, for new experiments. It's just by experimenting that you can build up your lean approach. Mm. So people really need to uh, make feel um, comfortable about experimenting, about uh, also failing, but need to be th th this kind of approach about learning from failure needs to be sponsored by leadership. Absolutely. And I think that that's a, a great way for us to close today, Alessandro. I, I, I love the, the idea of just, you know, thinking about the, the culture that we're trying to create and what are the inputs to that culture, you know, psychological safety being one of them and all of those things that you just talked about. Uh, I so much appreciate you, you know, bringing everything full circle back around to that, because I think that is the key, you know, when, when it comes to continuous improvement is really understanding that the culture is the output. There are certain things that have to come into that and that we have to make sure that are sustained in order to, you know, whether leadership changes or whatever changes, we want to keep that same culture. So thank you so much for uh, for bringing these uh, these great points today based on your uh, experience and uh, would love to have you back on the show some, sometime so that we can dive into maybe a couple other topics. I feel like you and I could talk about this forever. Our, our, our uh, <laughs> approach is very much aligned. So. Uh, thank you again. Fantastic. Thank you, Patrick. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Lean Solutions Podcast. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe. This way you'll get updates as new episodes become available. If you feel so inclined, please give us a review. Thank you so much.